Hi there. Welcome to Lake Ridge Community Church Podcast. Uh, this is a place where we get to share uh, some of our messages from Sunday mornings. Uh, we're glad that you're here to listen, but we'd also love to have you in person. So if you'd like to pop in some Sunday, we meet at 1030 at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chestermere. And uh, you can obviously check us out as well at uh, www.lakeridgecommunity.com. Thanks for listening. So what is it we are looking for? We're always digging into something and saying, what is this life about? How do I find what I'm looking for? Hey, welcome this morning to our sermon. And uh, I'm excited about this message. I've been really wrestling, thinking about what we're going to be exploring this morning. And so I hope it's thoughtful for you too. What do you long for in life? And what do you crave? Do you know that your cravings, your longings, your hungers, your obsessions, even your compulsions and those nagging addictions, they all play a big part in revealing our soul's longings. I sometimes, when I'm having a bad day, when I'm unsatisfied or unhappy or I'm overwhelmed, you know what I go and do? I look at pictures of cabins <laughs> I look at pictures of cabins online, if I'm to confess. I sometimes just want to live in a cabin in the woods. And so I look at these A-frames, log cabins, something with moss growing on top, tucked away in some trees, and think, oh, I would love that right now. To get away from the messy, messiness and noise that I sometimes find myself in. Anyone else? Do you ever have that sort of experience? Well, I do a number of things. <laughs> I'm going to list off some. Sometimes I go late at night uh, when I am craving something and I go for food. I go in and I make a plate of some cheese and some pickles and I gorge. Uh, right now, you know what I would love? I would love a car with a third row seat in so I can take my nieces to the mountains. I would love for my wife not to have to work so many hours. I would love to be rich enough that my wife didn't have to work. I would love to be able to travel. I would love to have a mentor who can help me figure out how to lead a church out of COVID. I wish I didn't get writer's block. I, I want to play Lego with my girls more often. I, I want more time for my best friends. I want to pay off some debt that's been nagging me for way too long. And I want to eat a Costco steak on a barbecue. I want to learn how to pray. I want to learn how to not get so mad at things so easily. I, I want a new bike for Kelly. I hope that my sister finds a really good home close to me. I want to lose 10 pounds. 
and I don't want to slouch so much. There, I've listed off a bunch of the things that I want, a bunch of the things that I crave. What did you hear in my cravings and my longings as I listed them off? It's risky sometimes to share openly about the things that we want. It can lead maybe to judgment or insecurity. Even as I'm listing them off, I'm thinking to myself, oh man, this reveals so much about what I'm thinking about these days. And it feels a little bit scary to even share them with you. Maybe my longings, maybe they surprised you. Maybe they were silly to you. Maybe they felt too lofty or maybe too basic. Whatever your thoughts about my little list of the things that I want... From a car with a third row to a bike, to better working conditions for my wife, to playing Lego with my kids and finding more time to do some other things. I, what did you hear? You see, I think that we all have a whole bunch of longings. And it takes some time for us to sit down and actually list them off. To think about them and see what they reveal in us. We are hungry and thirsty for something. Your longings drive you. They actually make a lot of the decisions for you. We think we are really sovereign in our decision making, but these longings, they drive us. They make decisions for us every day. We are guided, even manipulated, by what we crave. Sex, food, fears, hopes, ambitions, laziness, anger, and money. They can all be like fast food when really we're creating, we're craving and made for eating a good feast. Our longings drive us. We are hungry people and we are hunting for something more. We're hunting for our next meal. It's been said that you are what you love. If you love becoming, or what you love becomes your identity. It becomes your focus and it becomes your pursuit. And it eventually becomes you. Do you love money? Stuff? Maybe you love being right. Maybe you love being angry. You become what you love. It's just true. It's a sobering thought. But through it all, we realize that these deep longings and cravings, they're saying one thing loud and clear that we all want to be happy. I want God to love me and I want something good. Our cravings might actually be given to us by God. And maybe it's God who fulfills those cravings. Listen to some of these quotes here. Erwin McManus, he says this, I think a lot of us are not on a path, but we're in a rut. We have confused comfort with peace, belief with faith, safety with wisdom, wealth with blessing, and existence with life. We crave certain deep things and we have made substitutes to try to satisfy those deep cravings. But I think God offers us something more. And so we feel deeply dissatisfied. Peter O'Keefe says this, he says, dissatisfaction is the second best thing there is because it dissolves the glue that entraps us to false satisfaction and drives us to God, the only true satisfaction. This sense of dissatisfaction, me longing for that cabin in the woods, it's second best to the real thing because it begins to break down in me the barriers that does that separate me from the true source of life from God and so this morning we start our message with a sense of dissatisfaction say I crave something and sometimes I can't get it satisfied 
St. Augustine says, all our longings are, in the final analysis, longings for God. Everything we crave, we long for, whether it's the money, the sex, the power, the fame, whatever it is, or the third row in, in a car, you know what? All of these things, St. Augustine says, points us to God. They're a longing for comfort that can only be found in him. Bruce Marshall says, The young man who rings a bell at the brothel is unconsciously looking for God. The things we long for are what we become. And God wants us to become people who are embraced by him. These ideas of deep longing are known. These are not mysteries to God. These are not, these don't shock God that Preston is longing for the cabin in the woods sometimes to get away from it all. He isn't shocked that I want a good thing for my wife. He isn't shocked that I want time with my kids. These are all things that God has put in us. And God is driving me with my longings and saying, come and be satisfied in me. The psalmists in the Bible, they sing songs about this deep longing that can only be satisfied in God. Psalm 42, 1-2 says this, As the deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. The psalmist is just crying out, I'm hungry for you. I'm thirsty for you. Or Psalm 63 says this, O God, you are my God. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there's no water. My soul is satisfied as with a rich feast. These people knew that there was something in God that could only satisfy. In this sermon series, The Curious Happiness of Jesus, we are exploring the first section of the Beatitudes. This is um, part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew 5. And it's these strange paradoxes. Blessed are you if you mourn, if you're poor, if if um, if you're meek, persecuted even. These are these are strange things. You see, I think my happiness is sometimes found with a straight shot from here to that cabin in the woods. But Jesus is laying out and saying that it's actually God's right on. God's blessing, God's happiness that bubbles up inside of us when we live with Jesus in this world. And the kingdom of God is ours. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. So Jesus is really pronouncing the coming of the kingdom of God and how we participate in the kingdom of God. And often the things that I crave are not part of the kingdom of God. These are not things that, uh, that are healing God's world, that are participating in it. But God says, if you pursue God's kingdom with me in my way, guess what? You get it all. You get to enjoy the fullness of God's work in this world. It's, it's, it's a beautiful promise, but it comes with a paradox. So today we're looking at the fourth um, of Jesus' Beatitudes on the Sermon of the Mount. And it says this. I'm going to read it in three different versions. It says this. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Here's another version. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. And in the message version, you're blessed when you work up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink at the best meal you'll ever eat. So the idea is this. Happy or blessed, or you have God's right on, if you are hungry and thirsty or have a big appetite for a world that's made right around you and in you. You'll be full and you'll be satisfied. This is what the 
beatitude is about that Jesus says here. So what's the backstory here? Why is Jesus talking about being hungry and thirsty and having that fulfilled in righteousness and pursuing that? And what does that mean? Well, the hearers in Jesus' day would have probably heard um, a lot of language that they might have grown up with, maybe language that's foreign to us. Uh, and it's language that comes from their long history as God's people, specifically long history coming from the various prophets who spoke to God's people over and over, over many, many years. So it starts with this. Uh, the backstory is that people were doing terrible things in Israel's history. Like many people in places today, people back then, they also used and abused each other viciously. So it's not a pleasant world to often live in as people would hurt and trample over each other. The book of Amos chapter 4, it lays it out in this visceral language. And this, and Amos really takes this to task. He, he sees all the terrible things that people are doing to destroy each other. This is what it says in Amos 4. Hear this, you cows of Bashan on Mount Samaria, you women who oppress the poor and crush the needy, and say to your husbands, bring us some drinks. This is, this, this, this is odd, I'll be honest, but the prophets really, really go at it with their language. So Amos calls some people cows. <laughs> I don't think we can get past that. He, he is so disheartened by how these people treat each other that he calls them cows who trample over the poor and then say, bring us some drinks. They have passed off their, their goodness of making this world good and they've become these people who just consume and trample and use up other people and do so uh, and boast in their pleasure. It goes on to say that they boast about even how good they are when they're doing this, how religious they are even. And then Amos goes on and says, and they will be like fish caught with a hook. <laughs> and their own foolish pursuits will consume them and everything around them. This is how Amos is talking about it. So these are people with these hungers and thirsts. They are wanting just to consume and in the process of consuming the wrong things, they trample over and hurt everybody else. And by the end, their consumption consumes them like a fish with a hook in their mouth and they are caught. Amos lays this out. But it's not just these women that Amos is talking about. Amos goes on to talk about men and kings and rulers and religious leaders. They're all complicit in this injustice and unrighteousness that's destroying their people and their nation. So God's prophets, they call them out. It's a profound picture of how their greed and avarice lead to being caught themselves. And that's not what God wants or what Amos wants. So God, through another prophet, Isaiah, he talks about how God, conversely, is the one who feeds his people. How God is the one who fulfills the hunger and thirst and satisfies when they're in right relationship with God. Isaiah 49 says this. This is what the Lord says. In the time of my favor, I will answer you. And in the day of salvation, I will help you. And I will keep you and I will make you to be a covenant for the people. To restore the land and to reassign its desolate inheritances. To say to the captives, come out and to those in darkness, be free. They will be free. They will feed beside the roads and find pastures on every barren hill. They will neither hunger nor thirst. Hear that language there. Uh, nor will the desert heat or the sun beat down on them. He who has compassion on them will guide them and lead them beside springs of water. So here Isaiah is saying that it's God who will lead, who will free, 
who will feed and give good water to his people when they're in relationship with him. This is the promise that the people have in their heart. That on one hand, you can get hooked in by your own greed and selfishness and get caught. Uh, and in the process, hurt those around you. Break relationships with God, yourself, and others. Or there's God's way where you trust in God and God is the one who feeds you and gives you peace and frees you. Not from a hook stuck in your mouth, but frees you so you can be in relationship with God, yourself, and others in the world around you. So listen to when Jesus says this. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I think a few light bulbs would have gone off around and said, Ah, oh, Jesus is leading us to language that we know. Righteousness is a word that's used in the Bible quite a bit. Maybe it's a word that we don't use very, very often. We think of self-righteousness or something along those lines. But but righteousness is this, is this word that is used to talk about making things right, making putting broken things back together, mending something, turning some injustice around, taking you, freeing you, not being caught, but being in an open, green, beautiful space. God's world is one of righteousness. But the book of Proverbs uh, uses it a lot to distinguish between the foolish way and the righteous way. It goes on over and over again. If you read the book of Proverbs, you'll see it there. But one is... Uh, one way, the foolish way, is always taking, wrecking, and often, often finding yourself lost. That's the way of the foolish person. Taking, wrecking, and being lost. Where conversely, uh, the righteous, they give and they heal. And when they give and they heal, they find themselves found and found whole. And so Jesus is distinguishing this. He's saying instead of taking, wrecking, and getting caught and lost, why, don't we, why aren't we people who hunger and thirst forgiving and healing and being found. Righteousness is not about being perfect or put together either. Sometimes there's a mistake in this that we think that being righteous is somehow, you know, being a peacock and walking around with how good and put together we are, how our lives all make sense. Not a problem in the world. But that's not what righteousness in the Bible has ever really been about. You see, Jesus had strong words even for those religious leaders and religious superstars who were not in on caring for those things and people that God cares for. Rather, righteousness is about repairing what is broken relationally. We can be in right relationship with our land, with the world that God made, with others around us like our neighbors, with our inner selves, and with God. Right relationships is a full 360 up-down way. Righteousness isn't just us being put together in a broken world, but righteousness is us participating in all aspects of this world, making things uh, good and mended again with Jesus. So hunger and thirst for making relationships right, again, all around, with everything and everybody, mending what is broken with God. Crave this and you'll be full. What an interesting message that Jesus has for us. But there's a special thing going on here. Jesus says this. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Here Jesus is saying something really utterly profound. He's taking this idea of uh, consuming uh, righteousness. And he's saying, guess what you're really consuming? When you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you're hungering and thirsting for a relationship with me. 
Jesus is the one who satisfies this making of the world right again. He is the one, the only one who can make things right in us and even around us. He is making all things new and he is the one who started the reconstruction job in a broken and hurting world where people trample each other. It's Jesus at work in hearts and lives and in the real world around us that's putting things back together. Jesus is the righteous one, the Bible says. And so when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we are hungry and thirsting for a relationship with the one who is righteous. Daryl Johnson says, Every day Jesus offers us himself as the source and embodiment of right relatedness. He awakens even deeper longings for even more of him. The bread of life it satisfies, and yet any taste makes us hungry for more. Have you ever had a taste of the way of Jesus? Have you ever had a taste of a moment where you felt like you just chewed on something good of Jesus in your life? And what did it do? It satisfied and then it made you hunger for more. <laughs> Jesus says we hunger and thirst for righteousness, but he is the one who feeds us. It's him. Our hunger and thirst, our longings, big and small, they are met in Jesus. He is the food that satisfies. And joining in on the things that Jesus is doing to mend and to heal and to turn our lives into Christ, it's a, it's a satisfying meal, actually. Because we are with Jesus and Jesus is in us. So Jesus looks at this and he says, right on, right on. When you're hungry and thirsting for Jesus in this way, you found me. And guess what? I found you and you found a good meal. Not a substitute, but something that will truly satisfy. And I will fill you up. I will come to you. So this is the curious happiness of Jesus that he's laying out here. Eat the good stuff you were made for. And don't settle for fast food. It just doesn't satisfy like Jesus does. I want to read a poem here as we come to the end. It's a Eugene Peterson poem. And uh, it's an interesting poem. It's a, it's a poem that talks about a hawk that is hovering and waiting for a good meal. But I hope through the poetry that it'll awaken something in you for your life too. Let's read this. Eugene Peterson writes this, based on the scripture, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Unfeathered unbelief would fall through the layered fullness of thermal updrafts like a rock. But this red-tailed hawk drifts and slides unhurried. Though hungry, lazily scornful of easy meals off carrion junk food. Expertly waiting, elusive, provisioned prey. A visible emptiness above an invisible plentitude. The sun paints the Japanese fantail copper, etching feathers against the big sky. To my eyes delight and blesses the better-sighted bird with a shaft of light that targets a rattler in a Genesis-destined death. This poem is beautiful. He says it's these feathers of belief on this bird that are helping it stay aloft. And as this bird, you can, I love the poetry of it, as this bird, this hawk, it's, 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 its eyes are focused. It, it, it spots junk food. It spots some rotting flesh off to the side, but it, but it knows. Although I see that, that's not what's going to satisfy. And so he hovers over this hawk paying attention and looking. 
invisible, but he knows what's provisioned for him. He knows what is good out there. And finally, through the clouds comes a ray of light revealing what is good. The patience and faithfulness and belief has paid off. And suddenly, this bird sees a snake. It's meal. It's good, hearty meal and goes in for the kill. And gets what he was hungry and thirsty for. I think what I love about this, Eugene Peterson's a pastor, and I love this this poem, and I think uh, we should we'll we'll probably post it for you to take a closer look at. But I love this because as a pastor, uh, he walks with his people, like I walk with our people, and I think so often we, in our cravings and longings, we see something rotting, and we don't take the time to just hover over, patiently waiting. Even though our tummies are growling, we do not settle for what is rotting in fast food. We do not settle for the thing that will make us feel good for a moment because we know that God will provide for us for the better thing. And so we hunger and thirst for righteousness. And we hunger and thirst for the embodiment of that right relationship with the world, and that's Jesus. And we watch and we wait with eyes of faith to see what God is doing around us so that when that beam of light comes through and says, eat on this, you'll be satisfied. We will be ready. We won't be off gorging among vultures around something rotting, but we will be ready for the meal that we were destined for. It's a meal of righteousness. The meal of making things right in the world between us and others doing and be participating in what God is doing. So friends, hunger and thirst for righteousness, you'll be filled. I want you to be filled. Jesus invites you to be filled with the things that we were made to eat, the things that we were made to hone in on. So next time you are looking through cabinets, looking through the fridge, flipping through online for something that'll fill the void inside. I hope in this season that we will be people who will take time to sit with Jesus. To sit with Jesus over the expanse of what's before us and we say there's nothing out here that will satisfy, that Jesus will show us. What will satisfy, what will draw us to him and transform us and our community and our relationship with him. Friends, we have a God who provides we have a God who will satisfy your hunger and thirst today. And I pray that we will be the people who always pay attention with these eyes of faith. When the moment hits, we'll be satisfied. Amen. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for our community who gathers, uh, even though we're apart, looking forward to the day when our hunger and thirst for you will be fulfilled. And so come and meet us. Fulfill us. Fill us. In Jesus' name we pray. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace as you go from here this morning. Amen. Amen.